Praising together. I was lost. I was lost with a broken heart. You picked me up, now I'm set apart. But from the ash, I am born again. Forever safe in the safe. But you are more than my words can say I'll follow you, Lord, for all my days And fix my eyes, fall away in your ways Forever free and I did to grace Cause you are, cause you are, you are, you are My freedom, we lift you higher We lift you higher
our freedom. Oh, there was one of those lines in there. I was like, what? Oh, man, now I forget what it was. It was an amazing line of that we will, we will live till your will be done. Is that it? Something like that. Something like, I was like, here we are. I will live that your will be done. I will live that your will be done. That is so incredibly powerful. Are we singing it like we mean it? Wherever, whenever. Be like Jesus. Be like Jesus. I will live that your will be done. Oh God, help us to live that your will be done. Thank you, God, that we can live out of your freedom. Thank you, God, that you have set us free. We do lift you high in our lives. We lift you high in this place. We lift you high in our city. We lift you high in our nation and the nations. And we live that your will be done. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that your will be, will be done in our lives. Thank you, God, that you have fashioned us, that you have um, fashioned us as your masterpiece, purposed us for a reason, that your will will be done. Thank you, God. We declare that over our lives, over our church, over our city, over our nation and the nations. In Jesus' name. And may you have all the glory, all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, give him a hand. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Your will be done. Amen. Amen. Welcome to church this morning. Woo! One hour more in bed last night. Yeah. (laughs) Fantastic. You may be seated. We're an amazing day here, the girls' day out. Had a fantastic day together. And some of the guys were here too. Wow, these guys were amazing serving us yesterday. If that's you in any way at all, we had so many serving us. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. And all the girls that served here as well, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Many lives were blessed yesterday. And we were so blessed to have Pastor Esther Greenwood and she's here with us today. Yeah. Man, if you're not on the edge of your seat already, you need to be on the edge of your seat. I tell you, the nine o'clock was incredible. The 10.30 is gonna be even better because you're here. (laughs) And the 6 p.m., wow. Esther tells me, I was like, what, what, what are you going to do tonight? What's going to happen tonight? She is uh, speaking tonight into occupying the promised land, taking hold of the promised land. So 6 p.m. tonight, I encourage you to be here. Be here tonight because we're going to take hold of the promised land. We're going to occupy the promised land because that is what His will is. His will may be done in Jesus' name. Fantastic. If you're here for the first time, it's fantastic having you with us. We pray that you uh, feel comfortable, feel at home with us today. Relax, enjoy. Hope you got to enjoy a coffee in the foyer. If you haven't already picked up a a white uh, gift pack, then uh, it'd be great if you pick one up. 
there's uh, one at the back of the auditorium here on your right into the foyer when you leave. Uh, it's a welcome pack for you. A little bit about us and we'd love to get to know you if you'd like to fill out the form inside and pop it into one of the uh, giving boxes in the, in the foyers. But enjoy your time. Church, how about you welcome our guests today? going to celebrate the birthdays and the anniversaries. So has anyone had a, a birthday or a wedding anniversary in the last week? Is anyone coming forward? Yeah? Okay, I'm going to make my way through here. Oh yes, wedding anniversary. 16 years. Stay here, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. Is it wedding anniversary? Oh, it's the wedding anniversary time. How many years? 35. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Awesome. Man, you're about almost exactly 10 years on Sherrod and I, actually. Yeah. Wow. Have we got anyone above 35 today? Awesome. We've got all the birthdays, the anniversaries here. Church, let's stand. We're gonna we're gonna bless these beautiful, beautiful people. Father, thank you for your family. We declare blessing, health, favor, prosperity, purpose, and protection over them this year. Activate your love and goodness through each one. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Enjoy your chalky. Great. Well, do you know what? Easter is coming up. Yes. The month of Easter. Easter is an amazing time, isn't it? We're going to gather here Easter weekend, Friday, Good Good Friday morning. We're going to gather at 10 a.m. for a one hour or could be slightly less than that gathering. 10 a.m. Friday morning. Great opportunity to invite your family along, invite your friends, your workmates, uh, that it's going to be a special time together Friday morning. And also uh, Sunday morning of Easter, we're uh, having a combined gathering. So no 10.30, no 9 o'clock, but what time? 10 o'clock on Easter Sunday, which is the 16th of April. Easter Sunday morning, yeah, 10 a.m., going to be great here Easter Sunday morning and then Easter Sunday night 6pm we're going to have some food together we're going to have dinner together yeah Muller is excited about that (laughs) so yeah 6pm Sunday night that's going to be great to to gather together and eat isn't it good to get together as a family and eat together This uh, Saturday morning, we have got the healing rooms here again once a month. We have healing rooms happening here uh, in in our church facilities here. The healing rooms saw more healings take place last month. So um, if you need healing, if you've got family that need healing, if you've got workmates 
neighbours, friends, and then invite them along. Bring them along. It's uh, 10.30 to 12.30. That's right, at 10.30 to 12.30, you can just turn up. You don't need to make an appointment. Turn up and see what God does. That is the exciting bit. Yeah, see, and so, yeah, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for what you're going to do. Thank you, God, that you are a healing God. Thank you. Thank you for what you did last month. Thank you for what you're about to do this coming Saturday. Thank you for lives healed in Jesus' name, transformed. Amen. Amen. That'll be great. Uh, this coming Sunday night, the, what is that going to be, the 9th? The 9th of April. Wow. 9th of April. Sunday night, Anna and Nam. How, how many of you know Anna and Nam? Our beautiful, beautiful missionaries. I don't know if I'm allowed to say what part of the, you know, I'm not allowed to say what part of the world they're from, but uh, the whole safety thing for their sake. Um, but our beautiful missionaries, uh, one of our many missionaries, they're here. They're here this coming Sunday night and they're going to share with us. So I encourage you to come out and hear them. And Pastor Simon Moitara is Sunday morning. Yeah, it's great. Awesome. Yeah, we're getting expecting already, aren't we? Next Sunday. Yeah, but he's going to do something incredible this Sunday, today. <laughs> Next Sunday is going to be awesome too. Fantastic. Thank you, church, for being purposed in your giving. Thank you so much. Thank you that we are not only able to open the doors and turn the lights on and have the aircon going when it's working and, and, and all those things, but we can impact and we are impacting our community, our city and the nation and the nations and blessing ones like our, our missionaries also. So thank you for your giving and uh, a reminder that our giving boxes, you know, we don't receive an offering as such in our gatherings, but we are purposed in our giving and the, and the giving boxes are in the foyers. Uh, on your left. So thank you, church. I declare blessing upon the church as we give to you, Lord God. May you pour out your blessing upon every household. I thank you, God, for your provision and so much more for overflow. Thank you, God, that we, uh, you have called us to be blessed, to be a blessing. So thank you, God, for that overflow that we would be so blessed to be able to pour it out, pour it out and be a blessing to many others. Amen. Amen. Well, kids, you are in for an amazing time this morning. Can any of you tell, you, tell me uh, what's going on? No, it's, it's a bit of a, it's a mystery. Any blue t-shirts? Fun. Awesome. Is that right? Fun. Jesus. Awesome. Two great things. Yes. Fantastic. Will you go and have an incredible time this morning? Thank you, you amazing teachers, leaders, in the blue t-shirts. We love you so much. So the, the five-year-olds and up are going that way, including intermediates. And the three and four-year-olds are going that way. They're going to have an incredible morning this morning. Isn't that wonderful? Amazing. If you want to join the, the kids team and helping to lead these kids, then um, please let us know. An incredible team there in, in putting, in parting into our children. 
It's fantastic. Awesome. Well, we're going to gather around the communion table this morning. Yeah, it's great, isn't it, to to, uh, gather and uh, remember what Jesus did. So this morning we have the great privilege to hear Chris Hubbard share around communion. Chris is the CE of ATC. Oh, it's like a rap, isn't it? <laughs> CE of ATC. <laughs> we need Pastor Ray to do that one. <laughs> so how about you give Chris a great big hand as he comes. Thank you. Thank you, Jen. Right. Always a privilege to share. Thank you for uh, the opportunity. <clears throat> just want to share quickly from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16. Just a short verse here. I'm sure most of us know it well. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the uh, <clears throat> bread which we break? Is it not the communion of the body of Christ? It's a simple verse, isn't it? And uh, I just think about this as a cup of blessing, which is a good thing for a start. But that word communion is used twice there. And those of us who have been in the faith for a while would know that it comes from the word koinonia in the Greek. That word literally means partnership. Partnership in the blood, partnership in the body. You know, Christ in me and Christ in you. You know, I no longer live, but Christ lives in us. You know, it's that reality that we are joined together in this mission and that Christ wants to be a partner with us. Social intercourse, fellowship, there's other, other meanings of that particular word. But what does that mean? You know, we talk about communion. We've taken communion, if you're like me, for, for it seems like decades. Well, it is decades. What does it mean or look like? What should it look like? The, uh, the base word of koinonia is koinonos. And it means sharer, associate, companion, partner which gives us a little bit more meaning into the personal aspect of what Jesus is after here. A little bit deeper than what we often think about a partnership. This is not a business partnership. This is a relational partnership that he's come into. And I looked up the Oxford Dictionary on the word commune, and it means sharing of intimate thoughts and feelings. It's a different thought, isn't it? Sharing of intimate thoughts and feelings. That's how you commune. So I said, uh, this is not a business partnership. It's not an agreement just to give and to take. It's a companion partnership, a relational partnership. It's like the head with the body. It's like the the bride with the bridegroom, isn't it? It's coming together like a marriage, which as you just found out, I have a bit of experience in. I would say that uh, I take most of the credit for Moira's lovely Christian character. Without me, she would not have developed all the patience, perseverance, forgiveness that she has these days. But I do remember a speaker many years ago saying, what part of a man's body does a woman want the most? And it's his ear that was his answer. To listen to, to appreciate, to understand, to share with. To care more about your partner than yourself is the key, isn't it? But when I think about communion, are we doing that with Jesus? Do we just remember Him and thank Him, which are great things, but do we commune with Him? 
Do we share our intimate thoughts and feelings with Him? And here's the real question. Do we seek Him and listen to find out what His personal and intimate feelings and thoughts are? And that's been a challenge to me as I'm trying to work through that, but I thought I'd share it with you and challenge you as well with the same thing. Or has it become a business relationship over the many years? A marriage should grow stronger and more loving over the years that you go on, and so should our relationship with Jesus. It's the first and foremost in all of our lives if we're Christians. So do we care more about Him than ourselves? Do we put Him first each day? Do we seek first the kingdom of God? And then all these other things will be added to you. Do we commune with Him and share our personal and intimate feelings with Him? And that challenge of do we wait and seek and find out what He wants for us today? What's on His heart this morning? What's on His heart for today? What does He want you to do today? Do we ask and seek that? You know, I'm not always uh, saying a yes to that one. I'm trying to do that more each day. Because He is first and foremost the one that I am married to. Amen. So if that touches your heart this morning and, and you want to change, obviously just in yourself, just pray to the Lord and say, Lord, help me to do that more each day. Show me the way that works between you and me. You know my character more than anything else before you take the communion this morning. So let's pray and then partake together. Father, I thank you for your wonderful gift that we can commune with you through your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that we commune with the Holy Spirit. We can commune with Jesus. We can commune with the Godhead through the sacrifice that Jesus made. Father, we thank you for the great and precious promises that you've given us through salvation and everything else that we can receive, that we can become close to you, that we can know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge and be filled with all the fullness of God. Father, I pray that you touch each of us, lead us, each of us, in a way that brings us closer to you, that brings our marriage relationship with you, the body and the, and the bridegroom. Father, that we might know your son more and know you through him more each day in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's partake together. would like to stand. Um, don't know about you guys, but this morning I came with a great expectation that God's going to do something awesome. And every Sunday I come, I come with great expectation. And so I feel like sometimes we come to church with an agenda. And if you have come with an agenda, get rid of it because God's agenda is so much better and His expectations are so much greater than what our expectations. Well, he surpasses our expectations, right? And um, 
in the bridge of the song we're about to sing, it says, yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory, yours is the power. And I just wanna encourage you guys today when you worship, you're not doing it alone. There's people around the room, sure, but God's here and He's in us and He's ready to do something. So get expecting, guys. Thank you, Lord, that you're here in this place and that you're gonna be doing something absolutely amazing, Father, that you're gonna surpass our expectations. Thank you, Lord, that you're greater than what we ever, ever think. And you are so much, so much bigger. And I just pray that in this time we would encounter you, that we would feel you. Thank you, Lord.
your arms are open wide. Church, I get a picture of, you know, you can, we're singing, come to the altar. And sometimes that can look like, you know, that He is God Almighty, but sometimes that can be a bit like, oh gosh, can I come? Can I come? You know, God Almighty, come to that altar. But the picture I get is like a, in, a, in a beautiful green meadow. I don't know, maybe picture sound of music. But um, the green meadow and, and the Father is there and His arms are open wide. And the picture that I see of us is, a, is more of us as a little kid running through that meadow up to our Father with His arms open wide. And not only Him embracing us, but He's picking us up and He's swinging us around. His arms are open wide. That is the picture I get, that you can run into His arms, that He is not someone that, that you know, you can go, oh, I don't know if I can come. He says, come. He says, come. My arms are open wide. I sent my Son. I sent my Son so that you can come to, into my arms. I sent Him to die for you, that He He would take our place of our guilt, of our sin and our, our shame, that we can come freely and say, thank you, Jesus, and we, as we celebrated over communion, as we celebrated that we are free. We are free to come running into our Father's arms. We thank you, Father, that we can come running into your arms. May we never hesitate to come running into your arms. Thank you, Jesus, that you made a way. Thank you that we can be washed white as snow. Thank you that as we come before you, as we repent, as we say, I'm sorry, you just say, it is, it is done, it is finished. All that is gone and you come running into your Father's arms. Thank you, Father, that you take us up, you sweep us up into your arms. You sweep us up and you embrace us. You take us as we are. You love us as we are. You created us as we are. We thank you. Thank you, loving Heavenly Father. Thank you, loving Heavenly Father. May we come every day running into your arms, running into your arms. Thank you that as you take us up, that you also not only embrace us with your love and your joy and your peace and your forgiveness and everything that you are, but you also equip us. You also empower us. I thank you for your strength that you deposit into your church as you you embrace us in that loving fatherly embrace. Thank you. Thank you. May we receive from you, Father, today. Thank you. Thank you. Loving Father, beautiful Saviour, thank you. Thank you that it is done. It is finished. Thank you. Beautiful, intimate relationship with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your smile upon your children, your church. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Yes, and amen. Yes, let's give him a hand, eh? Let's give him a hand. Thank you, God. Church, would you remain?
standing, I would love you to stand with me. And because we have an incredible, amazing guest in our midst this morning. And, and um, Pastor Esther imparted something incredible into the woman yesterday and also at the 9am this morning. And so uh, I know I talked about expectancy on the edge of your seat before. And so I pray that you are because Esther has an incredible gift on her life to impart something amazing into the church. And so I, I want us to honour us as she comes this morning with the gift that God has, has given her. Um, and as we honour her, then we would be able to receive from that gift. So Pastor Esther is from Equippers Church in Auckland, our sister church up the road there. Um, part of the Axe Church movement. So, I, I mean, that's so exciting because we've got amazing, amazing men and women in the Axe uh, Church movement. So, that, yeah, very, very exciting. So let's honour her as she comes this morning. The nine o'clock crowd was good looking. You guys? Even better. Hey, you thought, you thought I was going to say something crazy. Now go on, turn to the person next to you and say, hey, good looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't want to do that because that's far too awkward, just say it to yourself. However, if you are single and you're sitting next to someone else from the opposite sex that is also single and you're kind of interested in them, you're welcome. I love church and I love the Word of God and I love worship. Um, my first Sunday in, Brett, you stay there, bro. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my first Sunday in church, you can, you can jam that bridge. Not yet, uh, yeah, just like, oh, come on. Oh, do you hear that? Go on, Brett, yeah. Doesn't that make you want to worship? Oh, my first Sunday in church, um, you know, the pastor at the time, which is uh, Pastor Bruce, says, uh, you know, hey, why don't you turn around and say hello to someone you didn't come with? So all the introverts kind of died on the inside, you know, which was me. And um, I, uh, this guy turned around and his name was Slim. Um, he wasn't that slim. Uh, and he says, hello. And he was leading the music team at the time. I said, hi. And uh, he says, oh, you sound like you could be a singer. I said, yeah, uh, I, I mean, I guess I do the hairbrush thing. Sing into my hairbrush is what I do. And he said, oh, you should join the music team. And I was 14. I said, yeah, OK. Um, and the rest is history. Um, but what I learned being a part of a team in church, the music team, is I, I learned uh, the beauty of worship. Um, I learned that it wasn't a sound that we make from our mouths, but rather a sound our heart makes. Um, a sound our heart makes that says, Jesus, I need you. Uh, so when we sing songs like that, oh, how it encourages my heart. Uh, when we sing lines like that, oh, what a Saviour. Right? 
Isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah. Christ is. He's risen. Oh, come on. We bow down before him. For he is Lord of all. Sing hallelujah. Christ is risen. He's risen. He's risen. Let us go. Calm down, guys. Calm down. No, please don't. Please don't ever calm down. They're so awesome. Well, what a beautiful name it is. You know that one? What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. Do you know this one, Brett? He doesn't know it, but he plays like he does, eh? <laughs> Jesus Christ, my, my King. What a beautiful name it is. Yeah, good. Nothing can stand against. Yo, what a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. How good is He? He just did that. Can you give your team a hand? Give you, you gotta know how blessed you are. You gotta know how blessed you are. Thank you team. Thank you so much. Y'all can take a seat. You can't do that in a lot of churches. You can't just stand up and sing. And they're like, we'll just go wherever you want to go, girl. This is an amazing church and how blessed you are. I pray after this service, so I charge you with some homework. Don't shudder or shut down. But I charge you to, after the service, go and find the hosts and the kids' leaders with the T-shirts on and say thank you and, and say to the musicians, thank you. They come in early and they serve you and they serve the building of the house of God. One more time, can we give all of our volunteers this morning a wonderful round of applause? Can I also encourage you to serve, to jump on a team? It's, that's where I learned. That's where I was discipled. I didn't get discipled by sitting in pews. I got discipled by being a part of the mission and a part of the church. And I learned more about the faithfulness and the goodness of God. So for those of you who don't know the person screaming at you this morning, um, I am Esther Greenwood and I'm Fijian and I'm 30 years old and I've been married for one year and four months. <laughs> Right? This morning, eh? 35 years, I was like, sheesh. Wow, 30. I'm like, one, one year down. Come on, we made it. So I'm, I'm really stoked. We celebrate. I celebrate every day. Um, I really do. I celebrate every day that I remain married. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. But I really do celebrate every day because I, I grew up in a space where I didn't really believe um, I mean, I thought it would be nice, but I didn't really believe that someone could love me so much that they would want to spend the rest of their life with me. And so it is something I celebrate every day. I celebrate the faithfulness of my God, um, but also that someone would dare take me on. <laughs> and so does my mum. My mum celebrates too. Um, 
And so it is, it's, it's really wonderful to be here and to be a part of your services and to hang out with the ladies, with the girls yesterday. It was phenomenal. Um, I, loved, I loved all of yesterday. I loved in particular hanging out with the 13 to 20-year-olds. Oh, there they are. They're so amazing. I love, I love teenagers. Um, you know, they can be really loud and a little bit annoying, sometimes smelly. It's teenagehood. Um, but I love that the Word of God says that we don't look down on anyone because they are young. Uh, but they are ones who are examples to us believers in the faith, in life and love and speech and faith and in purity. So I love hanging out with young ones because they teach us. They teach us how to be passionate and how to be illogical about faith, um, which, you know, that sounds funny, but David was illogical also. David took on a giant when he was a teenager, illogical. Uh, some people might look at that and think that's not a lot of wisdom, um, but I think that's probably a statement motivated by fear uh, rather than by faith. And so I love that teenagers don't quite think things through, <laughs> right? And sometimes that gets them into trouble, but other times that means that they can slay giants without even blinking. And so I believe in the teenagers of this nation, and I, I love to serve them. Uh, so young ladies, it was so cool to hang with you guys yesterday. Turn in your Bibles to First Kings in chapter 17. I have a word on my heart uh, this morning, and I've had this word for a while. I've been carrying this word as a promise, but also as a roadmap for me for uh, 2017. So I'd love to share it with you. So as I share it, please understand I am preaching very much to myself. I'm very much preaching to myself and I'm going through this, uh, this journey. And as, uh, who was it that spoke this morning? Oh, the communion? Paul, no, no, Chris, Chris. Oh man, wasn't Chris amazing? Oh, left hook, right hook. Oh, he was so good. Um, is he still here? Chris, oh man, wow. Dude, wow, you're good. Uh, but he was in encouraging us this morning around the communion, and he said some incredible things, which I'm just going to steal. Because uh, I really feel like God is, is speaking. So I hope you're encouraged this morning, and I hope you can take courage for the, from the word I'm going to bring. Someone say, increase. increase. Someone say, increase. I really think this year is a year of increase. I believe it. It's a year of increase, of getting bigger, getting larger, you know, uh, to, to make more room. And why on earth would we want to make more room? Why on earth would we want to uh, get bigger? Because I believe that not only, we know the harvest is plenty, but I believe the workers are gonna increase. I believe in Jesus' name, this place is gonna become too small. This place is gonna be too small. You're gonna have to put on another service and there's gonna have to be more teams and more servers because there is increase coming to the house of God. There's increase coming to the people of God, but there are a couple of things that we need to do in order to faithfully prepare for increase. Because God doesn't just give us things, and it would be it would be a tragedy if God blessed us with more and we said, actually, God, we can't take it on. What a tragedy that would be. 
If we were to ever be in a place to say, oh God, we don't have enough room. I don't have enough room in my heart to take it on. I don't have enough room in my house to take it on. I don't have enough room in my mind and my life to take it on. But in Jesus' Name, that there is more that God wants to give you. And it's good, it's good, it's good. And sure, it's actually uncomfortable to stretch. Sure, it's uncomfortable to get bigger. But as you do that, you're going to be able to receive more blessing. Who wants more blessing? We'll get ready for more responsibility. Good. First Kings and 17. Um, in this scripture, we see Elijah. And I like Elijah. Um, he is what I call a boss. He is boss man Elijah. And I call him a boss because we see him, um, we see him stand in, in 1 Kings and we see him say, God, open the heavens and, and let fire fall. And literally that's what happens. I don't know if you've tried that lately. Um, but I don't think that happens often in our lives. But then a, a, a few chapters later or like a, a few sentences later, we see he stands and he says, man, rain is coming in a land that was in drought and the skies opened up and then rain began to fall. So I like this Elijah. Elijah's fantastic. But we see that this is not where Elijah began. Elijah began in three places. We see him go to three places. And in these places, God prepares Elijah to be the kind of person that is able to be a conduit of God's redemptive plan for a nation. That's exciting. That's exciting. I love that in 2017, God is not just gonna do miracles for us, but He's gonna do miracles through us. He says, now you can be a part of the miracle. You can be a part of the answer. You can, you can partner with God to see Him do incredible things in your life, in your family, in your workplace. Come on, who needs God in their workplace? Yeah, right? All the church staff, don't put your hand up. Oh, praise him. <laughs> so in first, in first Kings 17, we see Elijah appear for the first time. And he stands there and he's been given a message from God to say to the king of the land, King Ahab, there's gonna be a drought in the land. No rain is gonna fall. There's gonna be no dew on the grass for the next few years. So there's a drought. And in verse two, I'm reading from the NLT version. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go to the east and hide by Kerith Brook. Someone say Kerith. Say Kerith. Oh yeah, good. Uh, go, go to the east and hide by Kerith Brook near where it enters the Jordan River. So what we see here is there is a drought in the land. People, are, uh, people don't have access to water. Water is pretty important. Water is pretty important, right? And when there is a lack of water, what do people start doing? People start changing the way they live their life. In Auckland, we had a sudden downpour of rain, in, especially in West Auckland, and there was flooding and there was so much water that um, the, our, our dams and our, our water system couldn't handle it which meant that we weren't getting enough clean water and we, it's still kind of ugh, whether we are going to have to default to having to boil water uh, before we actually drink it. 
So it's a, it's a big deal. And there are signs everywhere saying, save water. You know, people are like timing showers. And no, you can't have four showers a day. You can only have one. And some of the guys were like, I'll just have none. It's good. We're good. No, please don't do that. Uh, and so that, that's, that's what's going on. But people, uh, I went to the supermarket and water was flying off the shelves. That people were just, oh, we've got to get water. We've got to get water. People start to panic when water is not around. People start to freak out. People start to stress. People start to grab. People start to become selfish. People start living for me and mine. People start just doing things without considering other people. People are trying to conserve water. All of a sudden, there's this thing called fear that begins to rule people. That's what happens in a drought. In a drought, water starts to run out. People start to panic. People go into self-preservation mode. People start thinking about me and mine. And when people get dehydrated, people make silly decisions. People move slower. People are sluggish when they're dehydrated. People start making decisions that they wouldn't usually make. These are the effects of dehydration. So there was a drought in the land and God says to Elijah, go to Kerith Brook by the Jordan River. I don't know about you, but if there was a drought and there was a, there was a decision whether I should go to the river or to a brook, I think it would make sense to go to the river where there would be more water that would possibly sustain me for a longer or a greater amount of time. But God doesn't send Elijah there. He sends Elijah to Kerith Brook. So the Old Testament, a lot of us will know, was written in Hebrew. What I've done is there are three places that Elijah goes to before he is the person that says, God, open the heavens and these three places, they all have Hebrew names. And what I've done is I've gone and I've researched a little bit and I've been really curious about why would God take him there? Why would God take Elijah to these places? That word, Kerith, Kerith, Kerith Brook. This is what it means. Kerith means cutting. Doesn't sound cute. Kerith is not just any cutting. It is an aggressive form of cutting like to cut off, to cut down, like to cut off or amputate a body part. So we're not talking about craft scissors here, right? We're not talking about craft time in the afternoon in the sun while we're trying to do some like origami. That's not the kind of cutting we're talking about. This is cutting like, like, like we're amputating something that was a part of our body something that we've just been used to just walking with all the time. This is just a part of my life. This is just who I am. This is just the way God made me. But God says to Elijah, uh-uh, you gotta go to the place of separation, the place of cutting, because there are some things that's been attached to your life that I gotta cut off. I gotta sever. I gotta eliminate, because where I'm taking you, you need to be able to move. You need to be able to respond, and you can't go quickly if you're carrying too much baggage, right? Right? 
And so we shouldn't panic when God starts to empty things and cut things away from our life, cut away some securities that we used to rely on. Perhaps we take a pay cut. Perhaps we've been let go at work. Perhaps instead of panicking, right? Instead of going into self-preservation mode where we might think, oh, you know what? I've been let go of my job. I might need to stop tithing. That is self-preservation. That's what happens in a drought. But the reaction should be like what God is saying to Elijah. Come on, Elijah. Come away. Come away with me. Come away to the place of separation. Oh, I know you've been relying on things. I've know, I know you've been trusting things to get you through. But Elijah, where I'm taking you, I need to cut some things out of your life. I need to separate some things from you. And it's been a part of your life for so long. It's going to be an aggressive form of cutting. But thank God He is the great physician. Thank God He is a skilled physician. Thank God He is loving where He can comes and says, come on, come away, come away so I can begin the process of separation. Verse 4 says, drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. Ravens, ravens, ravens. I did a little bit of research on ravens. Uh, By research, I mean, I googled it and this is what Wikipedia says. (laughs) Wikipedia says, ravens are scavengers. With a huge diet that includes fish, meat, seeds, carry-on, fruit, and garbage. So pretty much these things will eat anything and everything. They are not above tricking other animals out of their food. One raven will distract another animal, for example, while the other raven will then steal its food. They are selfish birds that are only concerned about their own survival. Isn't that incredible? I think it's just a little bit incredible how good God is. Where God says, come on, Elijah. Elijah, come away with me. Elijah, come away to the place where I can cut away and eliminate and amputate some things from your life that you have so relied on. But they're not me, Elijah. But Elijah, I will be able to bless you and give you a food source and provide for you from one of the most unlikely places, a raven, a raven, a selfish bird that is only out for its own survival. From that raven is gonna come a generous food source for you. Sounds a little bit like what was meant for evil, God can turn around and make it good. It sounds a little bit like sometimes when we're wounded and we go through the process of separation with God, He takes that wound and He heals us and then that wound becomes a weapon where we say, no, no, God is my provider. God is my healer. God is my faithful, faithful redeemer. And no matter what I lose, He redeems it. I don't, know, I don't know about you, but the place of separation doesn't really sound like a great time. It doesn't sound like, you know, kumbaya, my Lord. But it sounds like a very necessary time. It sounds like a very necessary time where Elijah is learning the very incredible lesson that you, God, are all I need. You, God, are everything. You, God, are my source. Do you know, I think it's really hard for us first world Christians to trust in God because there's so much else that we can trust in. There's so much else that we can lean on. There's so much else that we can just walk through life. We don't even need Him. 
And so I pray that 2017 would be marked, the first stop on this roadmap to increase would be marked by the place where we, God's people, know what it is to come away with Him. Like in the Garden of Eden, that we would walk in the cool of the day with our Saviour, that we would know His voice, that we would know no matter what we have or we don't have, God is with us, Emmanuel. He is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He's Jehovah Nisi. He reigns in victory. Come on, He's the Prince of Peace. He is my kinsman redeemer. That we know this, that we don't just spout it, but we know it and we don't panic, but we go to the place of separation. I pray, uh, one of the ways I was sharing in the nine o'clock service, one of the ways that I did this when my personal relationship with Jesus was getting a little bit stale is I would do this. It is revolutionary, my friends. I would do this. To go to the place of separation, I would wake up earlier in the morning. I would wake up earlier, like very early, super early in the morning while it was still dark. And I would get up, you know, well, I would roll out of bed. I'd roll out of bed and I'd get dressed in the morning, ready for work. And I'd be like 100% ready and I'd jump in the car and I would drive. And as I would drive, there were no other cars on the road and an excitement would begin to build in my belly. I'm on my way, I'm on my way. And then I would get to work and I'd park the car, go upstairs to the offices and no one would be around. And I would go to the cafe that overlooked our city just a little bit in our offices and I would make myself a coffee, you know, because they're early in the morning. I mean, I'm a Christian, but I need the coffee, right? Thank you, Jesus. Please don't take me to the place of separation. And I'd make myself my coffee and breakfast and I would sit there and, I, and for about 45 minutes to an hour, I was having breakfast with Jesus. And I would sit there and I would eat. And I would say, oh, it's so good to be here with you, Jesus. And I would say, oh, Jesus, I'm so excited about today. I'm so excited about the things you have for me today. Oh, Jesus, yesterday was a bit of a hard day. And I'd begin to talk to Jesus. And I'd begin to ask, oh, Jesus, do you have anyone for me to talk to today? Someone that I can encourage. Someone that I can lift up. Someone that I can pray for. Oh, God, would you give me a word of encouragement that I might be able to walk across someone's path and encourage them? Can you do that for me? And Jesus would speak to me. And then Jesus might say, oh, Esther, I so want to bless you. But before I bless you, Esther, you need to confess some things. And I would say, oh, shush, Jesus, time is time is ticking. I better go to work. But Jesus would say, oh, come on, daughter. Come on, daughter. You need to confess some things. You've been struggling a little bit in this area. You need to book some time with the leader. And I said, oh, Jesus, can I keep it just between me and you? And he says, no, 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 because you must expose this because where the light is, I can flood in. But where you cover, I will uncover anyway. So you do it my way or you do it the hard way. And so I say, I'll do it your way, Jesus, even though I think it's the harder way. And so I would do it. I'd text my, I need to have a coffee with you. And oh, God would speak and oh, God would separate and oh, God would cut off fear and He would cut off insecurity and He would amputate things that I would lean on. The excuses I lean on to not step out in faith, the excuses I lean on to not forgive, the excuses I lean on to hold on to offense, the ex- 
excuse me, the excuses I lean on to not hope again, the excuses I lean on to stay angry, the reasons I, I am perfectly, perfectly fine, Jesus. Oh no, you need to forgive Esther. No, I don't want to forgive. You forgave him. Why do I need to? You love them. Why do I need to? Oh, and God would cut off that selfishness and I would leave from that hour and I'd be ready. That's a really, just wake up earlier. It's a really good way. It's a really good way to, the, to go to the place of separation. So I pray, come on this week, church. Come on, if we want the increase, God has got to cut some things off. God has got to empty some things out. If we desire the favour to walk into it, to receive it, we must go to the place of separation. Amen. All right, moving on. Uh, so the next place Elijah goes to is in chapter 17 and verse 8. It says, The Lord said to Elijah, Go and live, go and live in the village of Zarephath. Someone say Zarephath. Neither Zarephath. Yeah, great. Uh, this, this section here is really loud. How many coffees did you guys have? No, it's just the Spirit of the Lord, isn't it? Uh, maybe three. Um, Go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So Elijah, the next place he moves on from is the place called Zarephath. Zarephath in Hebrew, it means refining. So he goes from the place of separation, of cutting, to the place of refining. The Hebrew word refining, the definition of it means to smelt. That's to turn the heat up, to test and prove true. Not just to test, but to prove true. Like you're going to stay there until you pass. Like you're going to stay there until the truth of God's Word is proved true. Sounds comfortable. It means to be refined and to become a refiner. I love that. Because then the process is not just about us. It becomes about everyone. It becomes about the people around us. So he goes to the place of Zarephath, and when he arrives there, he sees a widow there gathering sticks. And he says to the widow, hey girl, can you give me a glass of water? Hey Elijah, don't you realize we're in a drought? And he asks this widow for a glass of water, and she's like, uh, yeah, okay. So she walks, she begins to go and get the water, and then he calls after her. Oh, and while you're at it, can you grab me some bread? just like a wee bit insensitive here. And then the widow turns around and says, excuse me, but what I'm, I don't even, I don't know if you know what's going on in my life, but I'm about to tell you. Oh, you better be scared when a woman says that. You better be afraid when a woman says, I'm about to tell you what's going on. And she says, I, am, I only have this amount of oil, this amount of flour. I'm going to make some bread. It's going to be the last meal that me and my son are going to have, and then we're going to die. And you want me to get you some water? And, I, you know, I read that and I think, Elijah, it's just a little bit insensitive, mate. I know you've been hanging out with the ravens for a wee bit. Um, but this is a human, like another life, like do you mind just toning it down a little bit with the demands? And then I remember where Elijah has come from. 
this widow has been living in a different place. Elijah has come from the place where he knows God is my provider. No matter what's going on, God's gonna provide. So he's not saying it with insensitivity. He's saying, girl, you don't even know. God provides for God to stick with me. Stick with me and you will be blessed. Stick with me and God's gonna provide. Don't even worry about it. And he says to her, come on, if you do this and make this bread for me and grab some water for me, God is gonna bless you. God is gonna make sure your cupboards will remain full. And that's exactly what happens because that's the confidence of someone who has been in the secret place of separation. Come on, if you're wondering where your confidence is gone, perhaps you left it in the place of intimacy with Jesus. Perhaps we need to go back there because that's where we get our confidence from. That's where I get my confidence from. Do you know how scary it is talking to all of you this morning? It's very scary. But that's fine because I don't live in the land of man's approval. I've come from the place of separation. That's where I've come from. I was telling the girls yesterday, public speaking is not my fave thing to do. Uh, My fave thing to do is have a cup of English breakfast tea and to knit or bake. I am a nana. This is not my favorite thing to do. In fact, when I was in high school, I would get so nervous to do my speeches in English class that my jaw would would lock and I'd not be able to move it and I, I, would just have, I would just be paralyzed. And I would remember I'd always be the last person to speak because I'd get so nervous. I'd be so overwhelmed by just the fact of standing in front of people. So when I say the place of separation is hard, but oh, it's good. Oh, it's good. It's good because that's where our confidence come from. He's our refuge. He's our strength. Someone needs to hear that this morning. Someone also needs to hear the fact that Elijah... You know what Elijah did in the place of Kerith Brook? He just sat there. Some of you need to stop doing stuff and just sit in the presence of God and let him look after you. Some of you are tired and weary. And in Jesus' name, that I just sense the Holy Spirit saying to you, honey, just sit there and let God look after you. Let him look after you. You need to rest Some of the men here, I can sense it. If you would allow me to speak into your life, there's only so much that you can do to fix things. There's only so much. But would you sit in the place of separation and allow God to do things on your behalf? He loves your family more than you do. He he will provide. He is faithful. Someone needs to hear that. Take it on. Be encouraged. The place of Zarephath, that means refining. After this, the widow's son dies and she says to Elijah, Elijah, did you really do all of this just so my son could die? Elijah picks up this boy and he takes him to the house. This boy is dead. He has no life in him. And he takes him up to this room and he lies him down on the floor. And you know what Elijah does is he lies on top of the boy. Oh, oh, look, it's just a little bit weird. Um, it's weird. But I think sometimes God will call us to go outside of our comfort zone and perhaps do something a little bit obscure. Oh my gosh, hear me? I'm not asking you to lie down on anyone. Please don't. Please don't. But Elijah goes and he lies down 
and he breathes and he says this prayer, oh God, let this child's life return to him. And then he stands up and nothing happens. <laughs> Have you ever done that? You ever prayed for someone? Oh, healing in Jesus' name. How you feeling? Worse. <laughs> this is Elijah, there's a dead kid. And then he's like, oh, uh, and then he lies down again. Oh God, let the, the, this child's life return to him. Gets up, nothing. And he does it again, lies down on this child. I mean, like, seriously, how many times are you gonna do this, Elijah? And he breathes again. And he says, oh God, let this child's life return to him. And then the child is revived and breathes again. And it's a miracle. And I love this process because it shows that even Elijah still needed to be refined. It was incredible. Elijah had this wild and great faith, this faith that God was gonna provide, but that faith still needed to be refined. So he lies over this kid and perhaps the first time, what he exhaled was anxiety. Oh Lord, this widow is gonna kill me if I don't make this kid live. Right? Oh, Jesus, please. My family, they're going to kill me if they found out. Oh, Jesus, please. I need you to move. But instead of, instead of it coming from a place of faith, perhaps it came from a place of fear. Come on, you know what that's like. Right? When we go to praise God or we go to pray, and instead of praying with faith, what we're actually doing is lifting up a glorified anxiety. Right? Same words, but it's coming from a different place. But Elijah has a dead person there. And so what I, what I love is that if Elijah learned how to inhale the Spirit of God in the place of Zarephath, uh, sorry, in the place of Kerith Brook, in the place of Zarephath, Elijah would have learned how to exhale the Spirit of God. Because sometimes when we exhale into situations, we just have stink breath, right? Right? We have breath that is covered, permeating with lust. Breath that is permeated with lies. Breath that is permeated with insecurity, with fear, with worry, with sin. And that's the human condition, folks. But Jesus came. He came and He died on a cross. We remember that this morning so that though we might inhale disappointment, we might be able through the cross of Jesus Christ, we might be able to exhale hope. Though we might inhale failure, we can exhale faith. Though we might inhale an offence from the people around us, we can exhale forgiveness. We can forgive again. We can hope again. We can try again. We can go again. We can dream again. We can do it again. It didn't happen once, but I'm going to try again. This is what happens when our faith gets refined. Man, earlier in the service, you know, my heart, I have a dream. I have a vision in my heart that one day me and my father, we're going to be worshiping in the house of God together. My father is the, one, is the one relationship in my life that still holds tension, that God has done miracles in, but then sometimes it's like two steps forward, three steps backward, and I have a heart for my dad to know Jesus like I know him. And so when I sit down with my dad, 
And when I, when I remember the way we grew up or, or the way our last conversation went or the way that, you know, the last family gathering went, come on, I know the place where my faith is being refined. It hasn't happened yet. I've tried 30, 40 times. I've pre- been praying for years. Oh, do you know what it's like, church, to go and to see people saved and worshiping in the house of God because of how you serve the church, but still your home remains unchanged? Oh, that'll refine your faith. Oh, that'll test your hope. <laughs> But still, I st- I'm, I'm like, oh God, I'm gonna stay here. I will stay here and I will allow the process of refining to occur because I know you will provide. And right now, God, in this situation, I'm gonna learn, God, as I talk to my dad, how to exhale faith, how to exhale faith again, how to exhale hope again, how to exhale trust again, how to not put my faith in a result, but in the God who brings the result again, how to reposition my faith. Come on, church, the place of Zarephath is really important. Musos, you can come up. I know you're up here. Oh, look at him. Hey, dude, you're becoming my favorite, mate. Uh, The last place Elijah goes to 1 Kings 18 and verse 19 says this, Elijah says, Now summon all of Israel to join me at Mount Carmel along with the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah who were supported by Jezebel. So these were prophets that were not of God. And we all are probably familiar with the story, the contest on Mount Carmel. And that is the third and final place that Elijah goes to before he says, God, open the heavens. And he is a part of this incredible miracle. And that place, Carmel, that place means fruitfulness. It means the garden land where growth and life occurs. It is a word that is used several times in the Old Testament to mean the opposite of desert. In Isaiah 32 and verse 14, says this, the city will be deserted, the busy towns will be empty, wild donkeys will frolic and flocks will gaze in the empty forts and watchtowers until at last the Spirit of God is poured out on us from heaven. Then, then, then the wilderness will become a carmel, a fertile, fruitful garden land and the fertile field will yield bountiful crops. That's the increase. That's the increase. That's the increase. Was there increase then? No. It was like eight, nine hundred prophets against one. The odds were against him. But he says, come to Mount Carmel. And he prophesies. That is a prophetic statement. Come to the garden land and there we will see the faithfulness of our God while you will see the faithfulness of my God you will see my God work in power you will see that this isn't a religion this is what happens when you have relationship with the almighty God oh how he moves and shifts the heavens for his son or his daughter oh how he moves on our behalf oh What a Saviour. And it's just Elijah. 
And what does He do? He brings an expensive and over-the-top offering. That's what you do to turn the wilderness into the garden land. You bring a prophetic offering. You lift your hands. You worship. You give. You give. Oh, that's got to hurt somebody. (laughs) All of us. Hurts all of us to give a little bit more. A little bit more of our resource. A little bit more of our time. A little bit more of ourselves. But Elijah does it. And the heavens open up. What was wilderness was destined for fruitfulness. Why don't you stand to your feet, church? We're finishing up now. But right now, I just believe that there are people in here and there's, there's, you can identify quite clearly where there's a desert place, a wilderness in your life, a place that hasn't had any growth, any life, any hope. Perhaps you haven't been able to have uh, to, to dream in that area. Perhaps that area is finance. I don't know why I keep talking about finance, but I just believe that there is increase coming. There is increase coming for this, for people in this church, for finance. And for those of you that have had things stripped away and the finance is the wilderness place, oh, in Jesus' name, that I would speak the carmel over that space, that, and that when the Spirit of God would pour out right now in this moment, it will turn into a very fertile field and will yield, yield, yield bountiful crops. Come on, you can take hope. You can take hope. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? You can identify the wilderness place and you're like, God, I don't know what's going on, but I need this place to yield bountiful crops. Come on, I know it's hard to lift your hand. I know it's hard to hope again. It's been so dry for so long. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a workplace. Maybe it's your career. Maybe something's going on, but would you lift your hand right now? Oh, Spirit of God, Spirit of God, would you pour out, pour out on the wilderness, Lord, as these hands are being raised, as as a precious offering is being lifted up by every heart that says, Oh God, would you come? Oh God, I'm giving you again the very all that I have, the very best that I have, the very precious hope that I have. I'm hoping again in You, God. Let Your Spirit pour out on those places of wilderness. Let Your Spirit pour out. And we prophesy now that it would yield bountiful crops. It would yield bountiful crops. This, um, bring it down. This this couple back here, I don't know you at all. Honey, with the... With the um, uh, specs on. Is that is that your husband, partner? No? Where's you, where's you? Do you have a husband there? Yes, you. That's your husband. Great. For you too, I don't know what's going on in your life, but I just declare the place of wilderness for you. God's saying it's going to yield bountiful crops. You can hope. You can hope again. The place where the enemy has stolen from you and has literally stripped things away, God has set that apart for His glory. It's gonna yield bountiful crops. 2017, you are gonna yield, 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 abundance, the abundance of the heavens. In Jesus' Name, all 
you can hope, all you can trust, all you can look to your King. He's gonna provide. He's not gonna leave you high and dry, but bountiful crops. You're gonna know Carmel. Oh, you're gonna know Carmel in the Name of Jesus. I hope you're blessed by that. Anyone really would be, but for you especially, for you especially. Thank you, Father. Would everyone close your eyes one time? Bow your head if there's anyone in this room and you don't know Jesus. Jesus really is the person that I've been yelling about. And I I yell because I get excited because 17 years ago, Jesus met me in my most broken and in my most ugly, in my most hopeless place. And because I asked, He came rushing into my life and He didn't make my life perfect, but He did give me hope and He did give me purpose. And He did give me a reason to live and He did heal so many parts of my heart and He continues to heal. He is a good, good Father. If you don't know Jesus this morning and you're saying, you know what, Esther, I'm tired of doing life on my own and I wanna do life with Jesus. Maybe you don't know Him or maybe you used to know Him. And this morning you're saying, I wanna come back to Jesus. I wanna recommit my life. If that's you this morning, I'd love to pray with you. So with every head bowed and eye closed, if that's you, would you just lift your hand? Uh, and, and, and I'd love to pray with you this morning. Come on, who's gonna make that decision? Who's gonna take this moment and say, yep, I'm coming back to you, God. Would you lift your hand nice and high? I see you up there on my left. God bless you. God bless you down the front. Is there anyone else? Come on, lift your hand and I'd love to pray with you. This is a prayer that would invite Jesus right back in to walk with you, to live life with you. Is anyone else making that decision tonight in the middle over here on my right? God bless you. There's two of you. God bless you. Awesome. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Come on, if you've made this decision, just pray. Just pray. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, don't let this moment pass you by. Who else is just going to say this morning, I need you, Jesus. I want to invite you into my life. I'm only going to wait a little bit longer. Thank you, Jesus. And down the front, awesome. Beautiful. I see you. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to pray this morning, church. If you're making this decision, would you lift your hand nice and high so I can see one more time? Give me a little wave. Hey, awesome. Oh, God bless. Lovely. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to pray this morning. I'm going to pray one line in church. You're going to pray this line after me. We're all going to pray together. But for those of you who are raising your hands, The Word of God says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus came and died on the cross for your sins and rose again to life, then you will be saved. I'm gonna help you with the confessing with your mouth. What you need to do is believe in your heart that no one can do for you. You must do it for yourself in this moment. Let us pray. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, say it now nice and loud, church. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing me here this morning. I open up my heart and I ask You to come in. Thank You for dying on the cross for all of my sin and for rising to life so I can have life. I choose life, life, life with You. Teach me how to live life Your way. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Oh, can you praise Him? 
Can you praise Him one time? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And how about you give Pastor Esther a huge hand? Thank you.